Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into our favorite games and discuss what we learn from them and just why we like them. For those of you counting, this is episode 7, 007 if you will, uh, coming at you on August 16th, 2017. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and I'm joined today Stu by... Stu Gritter! There you go, Stu! <laughs> How you doing, bud? Good, good, good. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. You know what? It's uh, I mean, it's been a busy week uh, for work, but I get to talk about video games, and I love that shit. So, um, yeah, for anybody who's new, uh, if you're just tuning in now, hey, thank you for taking the time. I I hope you enjoy your stay. Uh, but uh, what we do is every week we pick a couple of games, one for Stu, one for me. And we just sort of dig into what we liked about them, but also the intrinsic educational value in them. And I'm not just talking about literacy. I'm not talking about arithmetic. I'm not I'm not even talking about spelling anything like that. Sometimes we hit those. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just talking about like the surprising things you didn't realize you were learning while you were playing a game. Um, this can go as uh, as simple as just the social interaction you had on the playground with kids about the game to in-depth, nitty-gritty level design. I guess it really just sort of depends on how Stu and I feel and how deeply we thought about it that day. But uh, yeah, stick around. I hope you enjoy yourselves. And uh, I guess let's just let's get into it. Was there anything you wanted to say off the top or do you want to jump into what we learned this week, Stu? Uh, nothing off the get-go. Let's go to the news. Alright, well this uh, this next segment is what we learned this week and this is the part of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this week. So Stu, uh, you and I love tech and gaming news, so a reminder to everybody who's listening, if you have any news or tech updates that you would love to hear us talk about, just send them in to learnfromgamingpodcast.com gmail.com and and we'll do it yeah we uh, <laughs> we love emails and we don't get a lot so yeah definitely do us a favor and shoot something over and we'll talk about it for sure uh so Stu, i know you've got a few things to talk about i've got one thing to talk about so uh how about you start us off oh i see how it is yeah all right yeah i'll talk um, about my game first today <laughs> if you want uh the, the the only two things that i was going to bring up was uh, i i did um, come across an article this week uh dealing with the actual physiological effect of playing playing video games which was oh is that the article about uh first person shooters versus platformers yes yes that was the one it was it was fairly brief but it does directly reference the hippocampus and how that all works and it was really interesting it was a little bit counterintuitive because usually people talk about first person shooters and how you need to be spatially aware but that doesn't seem to be the case, which is neat. I don't know. That's weird. Uh, okay, so do you understand the uh, the function of the hippocampus? Well, it's a, a lot of spatially and data management -y, um and and memory. I think. Yeah. Um, the significance of a shrinked uh, hippocampus. Gosh, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to remember because I, I didn't read the article myself. I heard other people talk about it, but I'm really excited about it because physiological uh, it, the physiological ramifications of playing video games. That's something that has not been explored before. And I'm not sure like it's a single study. I'm not sure how much data is behind yeah. it. I remember the actual research pool was really small. Yes. Um, and even though the data seems significant, you have to keep in mind that it was what, 23 
participants uh, or something like that. 33 and then 43. So still under 100. It's a pretty, like, it's a very small sample size. Yeah. Um, and uh, for anybody who uh, who hasn't taken basic statistics, uh, the larger the pool, like the larger the sample size, the more significant the results. Um, when the when the number is under a hundred, like whoa, to get something really significant, you want as large as possible. I would like to see these numbers getting pumped out uh, at about the thousand ten thousand even hundred thousand range because that is significant yeah uh, it, if that if it's repeatable if you can continuously report this then that is uh significant but uh even still it's interesting yeah it's just hard to to book that many mris that's i think <laughs> the, the biggest issue is that uh yeah. that whole thing but uh, understandable yeah it, it was just it was interesting because yeah people playing lazily with their mini map results in you not being as good at that spatial problem solving basically that's the but okay the so premise. can you actually just summarize the the entire article as best you can because there's two parts to it there's the shooter part and then the platformer part so yeah you go ahead yeah well the, the shooter part is just that you're it's that players are using mini maps instead of um i mean i mean obviously instead of maintaining an a mental image of the entire map and where people might be and where they're going and blah, 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 blah. Uh, people are looking at a mini-map because that gives them all of the cues that they need. And the mini-map is small, small on your screen. It's very condensed. It's two-dimensional. So you're not actually using any of your spatial memory to play most of these first-person shooter levels. So that's it's a muscle that... Uh, you i guess intuitively you would think that that's being exercised but in practice it isn't which is neat and the opposite is true for well not the opposite but the um the converse is is true for platformers where you're required to remember you know how far you can jump how high you can jump um dangers here and there what distances you can cover so that that memory is actually in use a lot more often Yes. Also, I think there's a significance in um, needing to remember level design uh, more specifically, um, but I'm not sure how much that that affects it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that the hippocampus also deals with memory. Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, cool. Very cool article. Uh, I I want to spend some time and actually read it myself. Uh, it came up in Gaming History X. I think uh, Fred and um, one of the guys from uh, Future Monkeys podcast, uh, Beardy. Uh, yeah, they were talking about uh, they were talking about it. Very very interesting. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, I have haven't haven't any thoughts on it i i couldn't couldn't presume any conjecture uh it it, again like i said parts of it seem a bit counterintuitive but a lot of things sciencey tend to be so i don't know it's it's one of those things that yeah i I would love to sit down and have a massive study and and see uh everyone's reactions and and growth and whatever yeah, well, it's it really sort of touches on uh, what Yosue said uh, in our last episode uh, when when he wrote in about um, what you need to consider when you're doing this is um, 
and he didn't say it exactly. I'm kind of kind of uh, screwing the words around, but it, it's sort of like number one, researcher biased. Some researchers may not understand the context of, of video games. Um, I I've heard suggestions that the writer of the article basically was just given the data and then wrote the article, um, and is just sort of inhabits this realm of producing articles about. Uh, physiological, psychological studies for video games. Again, I don't know specifics exactly, but it, it's one of those things where um, I'm not sure how many people who are fluent in video games are also studying and producing that type of data for video games. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hoping that as we get older and as time goes on. Uh, there are more studies, and we start to really understand what it is that happens to us when we play these games. Um, I mean, that's that's sort of the genesis of this entire podcast, was just understanding what it is that you take from a game and how that game impacts you. But, like, uh, a study like what we're t- discussing, like, that's an impact on a physiological, physical level. Like, the, the messing with the brain yeah, yeah. Um, impacts your life. <laughs> yeah when, when it's like, something like when you die and we cut you open and pull out chunks of your brain and like this bit is bigger than that bit because dude played call of duty that's neat <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah that's really neat <laughs> whole lot of tiny hippocampuses <laughs> whole lot um okay so what was your other story um the other thing i just wanted to to mention in passing was um open ai's presentation or performance or whatever you want to call it um at the international the the dota 2 competition um open ai so go into detail because i have no idea what you're talking about except for dota 2 okay there, there i'm sure there are a million different videos you can find on it but essentially uh i i don't know exactly what method they use to train these bots but given two i think they said two weeks of prep time I mean, they spent a year developing an AI structure and then trained it for two weeks, and then this AI structure proceeded to, in in specific conditions, beat the shit out of the professional players. Oh, that's mean. That's uh, that's the the, the Watson of Dota. Yeah, um, and, and to be fair, it's, it was given specific parameters, and it's kind of a sterile environment, and it was... Like, yeah. uh, like it's easy to op- for them to openly acknowledge. Like in a five v five situation, none of this shit would work. But yeah, that's that's their objective for next year. So, in terms of okay. of AI who, and who stuff, who's programming the, it? Um, it's uh, the company was the company. I think it's a company, OpenAI. I'm okay. I'm pretty sure Musk is behind that one as well. Okay. Um. Yeah. He's. Uh, He's interested in AI, but I know he also warns about AI. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. I don't, we live in an interesting time where anything could happen, including Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> I, 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 oh, part, part of me fundamentally disagrees with that. But. Oh, well, yeah, part of me does, too, because I, at the end of the day, I, I do love artificial intelligence and I love, love robots. Um, but then it, hmm, hmm, I'm trying to... Re- trying to restrain myself i was going to talk about <laughs> i was going to talk about this weekend which we're going to get to in my story anyway mm-hmm. so i guess i might as well in 2017 when nazis and white supremacists can be the resulting factor in a life being taken 
um, anywhere. Not like especially in in uh, Western country like that is that is just yeah <laughs> makes me believe that Judgment Day Terminator Two could happen because <laughs> robots would just be like yeah we can do a better job um, so right so let's uh, let's get into my segment maybe uh, so. Today I wanted, I, I was having a, actually a few days ago I was having a discussion with a co-worker. This has nothing to do with news. Um, it's it's really just a state of the game sort of uh, opinion piece. And it was um, my, my co-worker, he's, uh, he's East Indian, uh, second generation in Canada. And his parents were immigrants. He was born here, so he's Canadian. Uh, and his parents, like, they're Canadian now too, right? They've lived here long enough, they're Canadian um, and he was just like I was asking him um, what type of video games he plays and wise, wise, and wise. wise, all the wise and wise and uh, and why and uh, he told me that he doesn't play anything that has a Wi-Fi connection anymore, uh, or that requires a Wi-Fi connection. So all of his uh, systems need to be able to play offline. And I was just like, like I'm a retro gamer as well. So I'm just like that's you know that's really really cool. And then I started like thinking about it. I'm just like, okay, so why? And um, he he just he said the type of atmosphere he would encounter when he would play games because his handle he would just use his full name, um, and his name there there was an ethnic context to his name. Um, it, it's just an ethnic name, right? Uh, and uh, people would you know they hurl slurs at him, call him some pretty horrible oh, yeah. stuff just entering the game. And he's like, uh, why would I pay top dollar to get a game that probably isn't finished and then get abused in a lobby, right? Get abused in a lobby or get shouted at while playing. Um, and he's got a point. Mm-hmm. 100% he's got a point. Like, um, I guess I won the racial lottery in 2017 because I'm I'm white. And that's, like, it's shitty that I should even say that. But, like, this is an experience that I don't really encounter and I haven't encountered personally. The only time I would encounter it is if I sucked at a game and then people shouted me down and kicked <laughs> me out. Right? So, but, like, yeah. the fact that y- you choose a handle that has any kind of ethnic context to it results in harassment like again after this weekend i'm not surprised um yeah. but it's still uh at the end of the day like i i don't want to complain about the state of the way that things are i would like to see things getting better so i guess like <laughs> yeah at at the risk of being ddosed uh just like try and be nicer to people i mean i know this is gonna <laughs> fall on deaf ears but yeah. like man like the, but it's it's a game the thing is you you know i have to devil's advocate this oh yeah go ahead man pick a different handle <sighs> yeah i know and should it, you that's have to? yeah but sh- should, should you, you have, have to? to i know i know i know i know you um, shouldn't that- you shouldn't have to but like if it <laughs> it's again that 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 is you are then going into that situation i'm sorry but we do live in a fucked up world and if you want to pretend that we don't and you're going to put yourself and your identity out there and you're going to you know be upset when people don't like that identity because they're shitty people 
then that's they shouldn't be like that but it uh, you can't shunt the responsibility entirely you shouldn't have to be responsible i totally agree that you shouldn't have to be responsible but it, the different handle argument is one that exists and it's one yeah. to which i uh, i i i don't really it, know because i'm also in a privileged position it feels position like sticky and weird. gross yeah. like yeah. hearing that it feels like sticky and gross like i Absolutely. think there there are three three viable options like a uh, viable option sorry one of them is change your handle uh the other is uh overcome it and just work through it which is I the hero's way um which really you're just going to take a bunch of abuse and whatever happens happens mm-hmm. um and then the other one is avoid it. And this guy chose to avoid it. Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't know if I can really knock him for it. He's saving a lot of money, not engaging with contemporary games. But if he's in the retro market, he might also be spending more money than he needs to. <laughs> but it saves um, a lot. If it saves you the stress, then that's still a good thing, too. So. Yes. Yeah, so because so many of us come to this hobby to enjoy ourselves. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's real, like, it, I, I didn't want that to be topical. I, I sort of encountered <laughs> it before this weekend and then it just happened to all make sense after this weekend. Yeah. Um, and for anybody who doesn't understand what we keep talking about, like, uh, Charlottesville happened, uh, last weekend. It's August 16th now. Um, uh, one person died from basically uh vehicular attack and a bunch of other people are injured and then two officers also uh died in a freak accident just trying to even understand what was going on mm-hmm. so it's uh yeah and it was all due to a rally uh, white supremacists were trying to protect the statue of um lee mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> yeah man uh dark but i feel like maybe like that's something that ought to be discussed uh and to to shrink away from it like uh, like people can grow people can learn when i was when i was in my 20s i did some pretty weird and kind of <laughs> shitty stuff even when i was younger right like you you learn you grow and at the end of the day you just hope that you turn into a good person or someone that other people will at least tolerate but at no point i think ever will this type of racist behavior and like just you've got to know when your heroes are nazis you're you're on the wrong side you'd think (laughs) i hope You'd think so. Oh man, I'm 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 reminded of of two things. One is, of course, the Mitchell and Webb "Are We the Baddies?" sketch, yeah, which is you've got fantastic. a skull on your helmet. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, if you it, don't know what we're talking about, just YouTube. It. Yeah, just do yourself and, a favor. Yeah, and it will it will cheer you up. I promise. Yeah. Um, the other is the videos and and talks from people who used to be in that kind of environment. Who yeah, came it's like the American History X kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 and and them and there are other people like um, like Chomsky and Fresco who say things like, at the end of the day, it's something like you're educated into it, you can educate yeah. people out of it. Yep. And that's may, may, maybe gaming is the way. Oh, <sighs> I would I would like to yeah if, yeah totally back on track. 
There we go. I appreciate what you just did, Stu. Hey, just but pulling n- us out of the mire and into possibility. See, see, we can. But no, in all honesty, I, I do think education is a big, important thing to overcome uh, stupid, shitty trains of thought. I agree. Um, but I've also seen sort of a weird backlash. Uh, just a bit of background for me. I spent way too long in university. Um, <laughs> my undergrad, uh, my four-year undergrad took me six. Mm. And then I went back for another. Um, now, Stu, you did the same thing, but you did it in record time. And you ended up with three degrees. I only ended up with one and a half. Um, but that said, like, uh, there was, especially recently, there was this weird sort of trend where you would encounter, um, and it didn't happen too often, but it happened enough that it was observable. Um, you'd encounter individuals who would go to school and we went to university. So university, uh, predominantly, uh, left liberal opinions, uh, everywhere. Um, I noticed that there would be individuals who would languish in that environment, who would, uh, they would quotation marks suffer it because it was a necessity. But at the end of the day, they found the beliefs and practices of the establishment so repugnant that they resented having to take part in them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I anticipate that a lot of those people have, uh, the same sort of mindsets that, Mm -hmm put you on the road if they are not already involved in in groups like this um and it's just weird because like even in post-secondary where you're encouraged to be a a three a free thinker where you're encouraged to just uh sort of exercise acceptance um there's still people that instead of opening their minds just close their hearts and uh yeah i i hope that they just grow up (laughs) well no and that's the thing like again these guys these people are young yeah young 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 um some of them and like i mean i'm i'm 33 gonna be 34 tomorrow and like my my life's just getting itself together like we've had a really weird go of things uh, especially our generation um and there's some people have resentment and it's you know like you just have to hold on and hope that you make it through your 20s now <laughs> and again like yeah. we don't even have it that bad like this is first world problems but like first yeah. world problems where at the end of the day you're a nazi like mm, yeah mm, um yeah there's there's some there's a little something else going on yeah i think in those cases yeah and i don't know what it is um but hey. Otherwise, we would fix it, see? <laughs> yeah. I would definitely try to help. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get to stuff that brings us joy and that we like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, would you like me to talk about my game first? We're about to shift into what we learned from gaming. <laughs> Bro, yeah, you should go first. If you want something joyful, let's do yours. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, everybody. So now it's time uh, to to talk about what you've all been waiting for, which is uh, not us talking about the horrible things that happened on the weekend, but in fact, what we learned from video games. Uh, so 
today I decided that I was going to do Super Mario Brothers 3, which was kind of weird because Retronauts also recently did an episode on Super Mario Brothers 3. If you want to know the ins and outs of design and just any kind of concepts that went into uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, like who was involved, all of that stuff, I encourage you to check out the Retronauts episode. They always do a really good job of just explaining what went into creating a game, what sort of thoughts and concepts went into the level design, and like in this case, like some of the special abilities that were added, stuff like that. Um, but in terms of the game itself, Super Mario Bros. 3 was designed by Nintendo, published by Nintendo for the NES, so the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it hit North American shores back in 1990. It was a platformer adventure game. Uh, if you do not know what a Mario game is, definitely YouTube it. But basically, the core mechanics are you travel across uh, side-scrolling levels. Each um, each is a component of a larger world map. And uh, what you do is you basically avoid or jump on enemies. And then you use discovered items and power-ups to finish each, uh, each level. And ultimately, your goal is to save the Mushroom Kingdom and the Princess. Again, because it's the third game, and guess what? They didn't stop. Um, <laughs> they're still going today. Um, so in terms of personal engagement with this game, uh, when I was six going on seven years old, this game was everywhere, right? It hadn't even released. It wouldn't release until February, but there was a, a movie that featured it, so The Wizard... <laughs> Um, like that there was, I remember so many publicities. I was listening to Retronauts, like I said, and uh, I think it was episode 110, uh, that, that they recently did. They were talking about the, uh, McDonald's promotions and I was like, I still, well, my mom, <laughs> mother, my mother's a hoarder. Uh, but like she, I remember the last time we went through our toys, we still had some of the promotional McDonald's toys, uh, from Happy Meals. Nice. Um, and like i remember growing up there was like this commercial where it was just everybody screaming mario's name and then it zoomed out and it was like a face of mario on the planet and i was like did i dream that or did that really happen and i looked and it was an advertisement for yeah. super mario brothers 3 and i was like holy shit like it was it saturated everything like it was a cultural part of people's lives and if you were involved in console gaming like it was exciting and really interesting and engaging um and <laughs> it was just so funny like there was there was chances to win this game if you had like the right scratch cards that came out of like chip bags um just everybody was trying to make a dollar off of this but it was just it was everywhere um now, what am I trying to say? Um, I mean, I think what I'll do is I'll actually link in the show notes. I'll link uh, uh, to, to that commercial because it's some weird shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, this game came out of the absolute zenith of Nintendo Mania in the States and in, uh, well, in North America in general. Um, and, and Mario was everywhere. Uh, my brother and I, we played this game and we loved it. Uh, honestly, if there's... I mean, when, when you play it now, and there's a number of ways to play it now, uh, but we can we can discuss that later. Um, if you play it now, there's still a lot of charm, and it's it's fun. Like, it's a good game, even today. Uh, one of the most significant things that came out of me playing this game was... Uh, a bigger hippocampus. <laughs> hey! No, actually, you're funny. Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, but... My brother and I learned how to manipulate this game with the Game Genie, which was mm. uh, an adapter that you could put onto the game, 
and uh, like you could really screw screw with the code of that game and i want to sort of go into more, more detail about that uh so like i want to be yeah you know what yeah i'm gonna talk about that okay so um hmm uh, there were a number of power-ups, new power-ups that you could get in Super Mario Brothers 3. And one of them was the, the Tanuki suit. Yeah. And it was sort of like, it was sort of like the raccoon suit, which allowed you to fly. You basically like pump your tail while you were running and take off. Um, but the Tanuki suit had all the same powers, but you could also turn into stone. Which was awesome. Now, yeah, it was so good. Now what, uh, what my brother and I did is we went... Uh, we had a mission um when you got the game genie there was a book that came with it but i only think it went to mario 2 there was a secondary book that you could purchase that would give you codes for mario 3 now the mario 3 codes that came there was start and stay as fire mario start and stay as raccoon mario and start and stay as frog mario i think um I don't believe that they provided a start and stay as hammer brother mario or a start and stay as um, Tanuki Mario, but when I say start and stay, I mean you would play through the level, you ran into somebody, you didn't lose your power up. It stayed on you, all you did was blink a little bit, um, like you did when you got hit. Now, um, my brother and I manipulated the game so that we could play Tanuki, and we also manipulated the game so that we could play Hammer Brother, and we also manipulated the game so that we could play a sprite that was Mario that was stone that could move. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot that we did any of this and it wasn't until I was listening to another podcast and somebody was talking about stuff that they had done with the game shark on uh, some other system. And I was just like, Oh yeah. What game was that for me? And I was like, it was super Mario brothers three, super Mario <laughs> brothers three by itself is a great game. It has a lot of really good stuff in it. But my personal engagement, the stuff that is really, really important for me is the fact that I took the time to lift up the hood with my brother, play around with whatever the hell was going on inside, whatever it was that the Game Genie was helping us do, to the point where we could get exactly what we wanted. And, like, it took time, of course. It took dedication, but, like, the being able to do that and the, the, the feeling that came from successfully producing the results that we wanted um yeah yeah we were cheating (laughs) but like we i don't know it wasn't even so much about cheating and it, it was just being able to play the game you want the way we wanted to at the time and also having the ability to just do that um you don't see a lot of that stuff now you see you see it in the modding community of course uh but it's it's just such a different creature um and again uh when i when i think about super mario brothers 3 when i think about the culture the way that people played it there was also this uh this huge sort of social aspect to the game right there were secrets in the game um some of them you would learn if you just watched the wizard like how to get the first whistle (laughs) that was a, a warp that allowed you to travel through through levels faster um but to find any of those other secrets uh generally either you had to play through every single aspect of the game or you went you went to school and you talked to your friends about it and at the end of the day this was a kids game most of our parents wouldn't be playing it because we'd be like the kids would be playing it (laughs) whenever they could 
Uh, and I'm not saying that adults didn't play it. Uh, I'm just saying that, like, the b- before the forums of the internet, there was a playground. And you got together with anybody else you knew who had this game, and you just talked shop. You tried to figure out what was where, what uh, what kind of secrets existed in the game. And I, you know what? There's actually another game I want to talk about where this this sort of concept really really came to life but uh for super mario there were quite a few secrets that i learned from other people just uh talking to them directly um so in terms of educational concepts in the game this game had a decent difficulty but it still required extensive play to get used to um there were a number of new mechanics sort of so like flying if you had the tanuki or the the um raccoon suit um there were new power-ups so the tanuki suit the raccoon suit the uh, frog suit the hammer brother suit and then all those other special abilities you could get for the overworld map Uh, the world map layout or overworld uh had items that you could use while you were outside of regular levels and many of the game or yeah many of the games and secrets could be encountered both in game stages and on the world map Uh, memorization of levels and power-up locations and secrets was a valuable skill. Uh, something that I forgot until today while I was listening to the Retronauts podcast again was this is where auto-scrolling levels in Mario were introduced. Uh, yes. They hadn't existed prior. They hadn't existed prior to this. And if there's one thing you learn about auto-scrolling levels, it's that you need to memorize them because that's how you win them. Because you don't know what's coming next until you've memorized what's coming next. <laughs> Like it's a, it's a very rare person who can succeed in an auto scrolling level right off the bat. Most people have to actually memorize them. Um, here, let's see. So, um, sorry about that. Uh, engagement with popular culture uh, had embedded in the minds of an entire generation the location of the first warp whistle, which I discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, of course, the, the, the social interaction. Also, employing the Game Genie helped me and my brother a lot, and that was I really appreciated that. In terms of pros for the game, arguably, um, this is one of the best Mario Brother experiences, uh, and I would say definitely the best on the NES. I don't think it got any better. Um, Super Mario Brothers 2 was different, and Super Mario Brothers 1 was the origin. So... Um, I would also argue that this is a contender for one of the best Mario games ever made. I still prefer Super Mario World for Super Nintendo. Um, I think it is very hard to beat that game's design, but uh, I mean, that's just me. Um, cons? Uh, oh, sorry. Also, it's it's a very approachable game today. I mean, Nintendo controller simple to play this game. Uh, two buttons and a control stick, right? Um, cons is it's le- there is a legitimate difficulty. Um, but, uh, not everyone, also not everybody enjoys a side scroller and, uh, you might criticize the graphics, um, but you can get around that because there's a really beautiful version of it on the Super Nintendo for Super Mario All-Stars. And there's also a version of it for the Game Boy Advance. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, we start seeing different versions of it for the Switch at some point. Um... So I guess in summary, like this is a true classic side-scrolling game, still a pleasure to play. Like if you played it as a kid, huge amounts of nostalgia every time you touch this game. Even if you just look at the art for the game, um, 
It's still one of Mario's most famous installments. Most people, when they think of NES era, they think of that image of Super Mario as a raccoon flying in the air. Like, just, like, the goofy smile on his face (laughs) as he's flying in the air. Um, And it's a great introductory platform. So if you're introducing people to platformers, um, I think it's a good place to start. Like, again, the control scheme is really, really simple. Um... It also really strikes home just why Nintendo first-party games are so charming and endearing. It, it's got a great design. It's got some great, like, almost reggae jam music going on, even though it's, like, chiptune-y. Um, so, like, art, design, level design, just everything was on point. And every level was just, like, some of them were close to being the same, but they were just different enough that it was all engaging. You could play the entire game start to finish, and it, it was a good experience. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, how much did you play Super Mario Brothers three? Uh, I didn't have a Nintendo, so unfortunately, yes, it, it wasn't a that. it wasn't a common thing. But any, I mean, anytime you visited anyone who had a Nintendo, they always had Super Mario three, always. Yeah. And the attach rate to that game was nuts. And uh, to the, to the Nintendo. And it didn't matter who who had it, everybody still loved it. Like it was just, yeah, it it very much stood out at the time as brilliantly designed. It was good. It was a good game. So yeah, I I didn't play through it a lot. Um, I I, I, I didn't have any Game Genie experience with it. Yeah. At all. Well, if you, if you didn't have a Nintendo, why would you, yeah. right? <laughs> like, uh, the Game Genie was a a specialized peripheral for a very specific group of people. Yeah. Um, people who wanted to manipulate the game to their ends, or people who didn't want to beat the game with its regular parameters. So <laughs> Yeah. So, how, I'm curious, how much time, I guess, was there... How much time did you have with Super Mario 3 before busting out the Game Genie and saying, let's screw with this? Oh, man, it's it's really hard to tell. Uh, I can't, again, six or seven years old, and I'm going on 34 now. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair. But uh, uh, I, I would have to say that we played it a decent amount just to get exposed to it. I would say we probably didn't beat it, which is why we turned to the Game Genie for the start and stay codes. Mm. Um, so like the, the codes that basically gave you invincibility. And if I had to guess, we were probably using an infinite life code as well. So your lives wouldn't go down. And when you started a level, you would start and stay as whatever, uh, suit it was that we chose. So the only way you could really die is if you fell in a pit. Um, we did definitely beat that game multiple times uh, using the Game Genie, but uh, I would say we probably logged quite a few hours um, just uh, just playing it regular and then sort of opened up the hood and really started screwing around with what was inside. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was just wondering if there was a marked difference between uh, pre-Game Genie Super Mario 3 and post-Game Genie Super Mario 3. Oh, that, God, that's, absolutely. That's, yeah, but, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, the difficulty, difficulty, <laughs> like it goes out the window. You take well, away, yeah. The, the, yeah. Especially when you can be whatever you want. The uh, the version of the code that we did where you just start as uh, Stone Mario 
which is your Mario, but you can move. Uh, if I recall how we got that code to work, basically you're, you're his smallest sprite. So you're the tiny sprite, but you're colored as though you were a stone statue. Um, and you touch an enemy, they die. It gave you all the benefits of uh, when you turned into the statue. Um, it, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> like we okay. we took we took that game and we broke it over our knee. Like just, yeah. <laughs> just really manipulated it. Um, I I've since gone back. Like I I remember I had an ex girlfriend who was infatuated with that game, and like one of one of our uh, one of our evenings was just spent winning it. Um, and not like cheating winning it like playing it start to finish and like that was you know that was a good time um yeah yeah i i've always always really really enjoyed that game that is fair yeah man a, so that's me classic for a reason i agree uh so what are you covering today Stu? it's always a mystery you knew what i was covering so what are you doing <laughs> This is why we had to start with yours for a happy game. I'm going to talk about Smite. <laughs> Smite is not an unhappy game. It's just a bunch of unhappy gods. Yeah. Oh, right. man. So Smite's been out for a few years, uh, kicked out by Hi-Rez. They're the, uh, the company that did like Global Agenda and Tribes and more recently Paladins. I, I wish Global Agenda had taken off. I really yeah. liked that game. Yeah. 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 I know um, you didn't. I know you didn't, just but I did. Yeah, it didn't grab me. Um. But yeah, so so Smite, it's uh, it's a MOBA, uh, in the you know similar to League of Legends or Dota or those other ones. Um, Heroes, here's the storm. That's the one I was repressed. Uh, but it doesn't. It's not top down. It's kind of over the shoulder camera view from from your character that you're controlling. So it's a little bit different in that sense. Um, it was. It's only been officially released for. I think four-ish years. It was available to play as a beta for, I think, many years before then. And it's in some of its early incarnations, it was pretty sketchy. But yeah. uh, it has definitely come a long way. Um, as a MOBA, it has a, the standard game mode of you know three different lanes, two different teams trying to destroy each other's base through three different lanes. There's sections of jungle between the lanes uh creeps from each base run at each other and die and you kill the creeps and then you kill the other teammates and, or other teams members and have big fights and then blow up their base and then win or you die once and your team swears at you for feeding and then uh rage rage quitting happens um <laughs> somebody disconnects and then like somebody leaves for pizza and the game's over and then you queue up again it's yeah. great uh, Smite fortunately also has other game modes. It's one of the one of the reasons that I got sucked into it was there instead of just the normal three lanes two jungles mode, they had support for uh, three people sharing one lane and a jungle. So just a single lane combat or uh, the now popularized uh, ARAM. I think some people call it all random all middle where you get a random oh, god yes. and there's only one lane and there's no jungle so it's just 10 angry people in in you know a narrow column tr just trying to get along so that's fun too um this it's probably the game that I've sunk more time into than any other I th I think that's a safe bet wow part part, part of that comes from 
Um, I had spent a fair amount of time streaming it. So that's its fault. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not yours. Uh, but it, it was weird because I, you and I used to play some League of Legends, and it was kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I couldn't really get into it. Not super, super deep. Definitely not as deep as I did the Smite. Yeah. Uh, Smite has a lot of different avenues to learn things. I mean, there are up to 80 or 90 different gods now, different characters. They are they are gods. And Smite, all the characters in Smite are based off of actual um, gods from traditional pantheons. So 80 or 90 characters to learn. Uh, I You acquire gold and buy items for your gods so you empower them that way as well um and there's just there, there's a lot of meta to understand about the game as you're going through and that meta can change depending on whether you're playing the the normal conquest mode or the three people sharing one lane or the all random it's it's always going to be a bit different so there's a lot to learn the other big difference between Smite and other MOBAs is that uh, in most MOBAs, when you right-click on an enemy, you will approach them and hit them with your stick or shoot your bow <laughs> at them or you know fling your poop at them or whatever it is that your character does to do damage. In Smite, nothing is automatic. Everything has to be aimed correctly. And that means that everything can be dodged as well. So if you're playing a dude with like a Gatling gun, but you can't aim... In most MOBAs, that would be fine. You right-click on a dude and you shoot them into pieces. In Smite, if you miss all the time, you're just an idiot with a Gatling gun not doing anything. So there's a mechanical difference to that as well that you have to learn as you approach the game. There's a little team stuff. Hey, you gotta, uh, it's a team game. That's what makes it terrible is that you have to rely on other people. And that's always frustrating. Um, that's where, you know, you get somebody in and they have some kind of, you know, ethnic name. And the first thing you have to do is type in chat, like, get the fuck out of my game, you do blah, 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 and that kind of thing. It's, it can be very frustrating to play um, anything team-based where there's anybody not on the same page. Everyone always wants to be a superhero and a superstar. And basically, nobody ever is. So there's a lot to learn in terms of that as well. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay. Oh, Stu. Oh. It's, it's Humility. It's, it's Learning it's, humility yeah. through MOBAs. Yeah, exactly. Everyone, and learning ev how to tolerate toxicity. <laughs> there, there's a lot... Um, Jeez, I, I would love to spend just an hour talking about studies that even just Riot has done about altering people's behavior in regarding toxicity. We should actually do that at some point. Um, I agree. That sounds interesting. Yeah, if but, you could shoot yeah. stuff like that towards me, I, I would definitely yeah. read it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah, so my personal experience with Smite, uh, I, I played it a fair amount. I streamed it a bunch. Um, I met some interesting people playing it um met some interesting people streaming it it's the first time i really got exposed to i guess like having a bit of an audience that was interested in what i was doing with that which was weird 
and yeah. in in and interesting that's the other aspect of that was streaming it with people uh, having semi semi regular scheduled play times with other people and trying to succeed with them <laughs> with varying degrees uh, of success. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> As I know the group of friends, still, I can only imagine. Still fantastic fun. Still, yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant time. Uh, I I regret very little of it. <laughs> yeah. um, but absolutely a crap ton to learn about the game. Uh, in terms of stuff outside the game. Yeah, dealing with dealing with people. It is a social game. It's almost all PvP. So there is a lot uh, to deal with, not just while you're building your team, picking your gods, trying to you know call your role, figure out what you're gonna do, and and have that that trust in that team cohesion. You know, you need one guy who's gonna be supporty, one guy who's gonna be super aggressive. That you know the standard MOBA kind of stuff trusting your team, playing through the game and keeping your cool when other people shit the bed, um, keeping your cool when you shit the bed. <laughs> so when you're not pulling your, your own weight. weight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, it, it, it can be hard to play from behind when you're out leveled and outmatched or you, you know, you're just, you're just matched up against somebody who's just better than you. That's, you have to learn how to deal with that situation. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the games that we play, like we say, we do it for enjoyment. There's often also an element of empowerment that goes on with that, right? When you when you're playing first-person shooters, like all these first-person shooter campaigns, you're a superhero. You you can eat like hundreds of bullets and you just shit them out at people and kill them all. It's an, it's incredible, and that doesn't work in a player versus player environment you just you're not going to win all the time you are frequently going to be playing against people who are better than you and you have to cope with that and deal with that and understand that and when <laughs> and learn from that and grow from that well hopefully but then you also have to deal with your team uh, or, or quit yeah <laughs> or quit yeah <laughs> because when you die for the third time and you're the only person on your team who's died, and your team is furious with you. <laughs> That's a whole other situation that you have to deal with as well. <clears throat> Which is fun. So then, okay, Stu. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of... Just a lot of context to, 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 to that stuff. So, like, what... Yeah, let's do a cons. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, a pros and a cons. I think we, we've done a pretty good job. But, like, wh- what is the most valuable thing you think you've taken from all of the time you've committed to Smite? The biggest transferable skill. Is that what you're looking for? I think would, yeah, would be... Yeah, sure. Um, that, but also, like, a story of glory. Like, just something you feel <laughs> oh, good about. Oh, there are all kinds of glory stories, but that's fine. It's not the, it's not the um, vehicle, whatever platform that's the word i'm looking for not the platform for it um i think the biggest transferable skill is the game it's not the only game that does this but i think smite does it particularly well where you are forced 
to constantly and quickly reevaluate priorities. Okay. Based off of the teams, the objectives, how everyone is performing, uh, the items people have recently purchased, the relics they have recently used, the ultimates that are down, the poking skills that people have just used that are on cooldown for the next 12 seconds, the position of things, where the wards are, where the pings are on the map. You always have, you know, a tenth of a second to reevaluate things. When a new piece of information is relayed, that can change your your stance from defensive to offensive or going this way to going that way or blah, 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 blah. It's a lot of really quick snap decisions. And that's something that I think is a little bit undervalued. It's almost like the perpetual risk analysis that people praised uh, the original StarCraft players for. Yeah. Well, it's this is an RTS, but in uh, a very different format. Yeah. So that's I, I think that's the the biggest kind of intangible that you could pull away from Smite. Okay. I mean, you can approach the game and not pay attention and just slough away, but when you're invested in it and actually trying to do as well as you possibly can, you can't help but try to pay attention to as many things as possible, and that's going to affect your decision making. Okay. Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> you and I played Smite unsuccessfully together, um, and it was unsuccessful because I was involved, uh, <laughs> um, I'd say years ago now, um, we both sort of got into it around the same time, you got interested in it, and then I, I sort of got wrangled in, um, and we both bought that same package, uh, that unlocks all of the gods, um, back when it was cheap and it i think it still comes up as being cheap every now and again yeah. we've talked about that on other episodes where bang for buck the this free to play moba if you throw a little bit of money at it at the right time it it more than pays for itself yeah um but uh i i still remember us at the top of our game for league of legends um <laughs> and just the 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 one well, yeah the coordination uh and the ability and just understanding, like understanding your role, understanding the character you've chosen, their strengths and weaknesses, and then being able to deal with any of the 90 to 100 different characters that you could be facing on the other side of the lane. Um, like, it's gotten to a point, MOBAs, add, the longer that MOBAs are around and the more that they grow, they bloat. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because the game is constantly changing, constantly improving. You're adding more personalities and stuff. Um, but it gets to a point where you need an almost encyclopedic memory um, and understanding of the game and each character and their abilities if you want to be proficient. And... I would say that is such an awesome thing to see when it's done well, um, but it is also so demanding that it is not a surprise that only a very specific few people can actually hit that pro tier. The Yeah, I would say the mitigating factor to that is that there, there will always be a prevailing meta, and said meta will dictate that 
there will always be, you know, five or ten champions for any given role that will be the most popular. So yeah. despite there being, you know, however many characters available that you might have to play against, you will typically see the same small subsection, you know, for for given chunks at a time. Yeah. Yeah, until things get rebalanced and abilities get shifted. Yeah, um, yeah. and I mean, uh, contemporary MOBAs are one of the best representations of that. Uh, the uh, the shift in meta, um, which is like the shift in the community that occurs when there's a patch that's released that alters the abilities of a, a character. Um, and it's so interesting to see and perceive and be a part of... Um, but again, it's also really time-consuming, and for Daddy Chase, oh yeah, <laughs> like it's just something I can't dive into. Yeah, and it it's, I would, hmm. it was great to be a part of it uh, back when back when I could. Um, and when everything is firing and everything is working, it is just like that thing that we described back when we were playing Battlefield. Um, just that just like. Yeah, that that yeah. Zen moment where everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing, and you you pull it off and you win, it feels so great. It and it's it's a feeling that once you've learned it, once you've experienced it, um, I'm not surprised that people just keep playing these games and that they get that they get frustrated when they can't accomplish it again. Um, but uh, yeah, like such a valuable experience to have, and you can take some really good stories away from from games like smite um and i'm sure that you have dozens <laughs> um but uh but yeah um was there anything else you wanted to say about the game before we shift away from it any kind of summary um well we didn't do any cons and, do you have and there oh cons and uh, it's, well, uh, the, no you did the, you did do the, some cons but well, i don't think you the, consolidated them into yeah, a single section the, the biggest one is that that high highish entry level barrier in terms of knowing things and uh, maybe more technical more technical accuracy required than some some games but it's also just a, a MOBA and god the communities are just I don't know the Smite community is from my experience no better than any other so when you when you join a game and you don't know what you're doing you're just gonna get yelled at and there's yeah, you know Oh god, it's funny because we we complain about this. I mean, I just complained about this earlier. Um, but like, we complain about it. But how uh, is there a way for us to make it better? Because I feel like even if you try to confront somebody in game, you just become that guy or that girl, um, and then everybody makes fun of you, and either you auto quit or you stick through it, and they're just harassing you the entire game because it's a twelve year old boy. <laughs> right so that's yeah i don't know that that's always been my approach if anyone is genuinely upset by how i'm playing something then that's that's too bad for them yeah and that's great that their only avenue that they can express themselves is by calling me names that i've always been called before <laughs> <laughs> and that's too bad for them you know, yeah. I don't know. It it doesn't bother me, so it's I I've never had to come up with a coping strategy for it. I don't know. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, well, then there you go. We've got uh, we've got some cons. Uh, did you want to do a summary or? 
Um, it's a lot of fun. If anybody wants to play Smite, I still enjoy it. Um, hit me up. Let's play some Smite together. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Hey, open invitation. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, email us and ask for his ask for his information. We can help you out with that. Yep. Okay. So then, do you want to shift into the next section? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so next section is <laughs> it's a little sad, but it's uh what can you teach us so Stu and I love talking about video games we just did it for almost an hour if not longer um, but we also enjoy hearing from you if you feel like you have a valuable lesson that you learned from gaming please feel free to share it with us at learnfromgamingpodcast@gmail.com. Um, I've already looked at the email I don't have anything for today Stu did anybody contact you or discuss anything with you uh, no but now that we're actually starting to push episodes out um I am going to make a concerted effort and yell at some people. So cool. Or long. Yeah, I was should. yeah. It was it was nice to get you away for uh for last episode that was really really cool. Yeah. Um like full disclosure I I basically solicited it. Mm. Uh I was interested in uh in sort of getting to some of the meteor bits of that that article about the uh, the mother with the son who learned more from video gaming than from Sesame Street. Um, but at the end of the day, it was great. That was just such, such great content to be able to include. Um, if anybody ever has anything like that, they just want to share in on the fly. Uh, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, uh, our, our website is, uh, is bouncing. We're on YouTube or we're on YouTube. Uh, we are on YouTube, but we've got nothing up there because we're a podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes officially. We have explicit warnings, so uh, watch out for the cusses. Um, Wait, there's cussing? Face- yeah, there is. Oh, shit. Uh, we've got uh, Facebook. We've got Twitter. The Twitter was kind of rolling out a little slower than everything else because I forgot about it. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's going now, so we're on Twitter as well. Uh, all you have to do is look for Learn From Gaming Podcast, and this stuff all shows up in all of the respected areas. Um yeah, so then I guess uh, we can move into the next section, which is what we've been playing. So, Stu, what have you been playing? Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, uh, have, have you been playing anything? Uh, yeah, I've I, been playing I, stuff. I've, I've been really busy. Um, that, no, I haven't. I think I've got another like hour into Rebuild. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing um, wrong with that. Like I've been super busy too, but tell me about rebuild. I don't know what it is. Uh, that's the the zombie town rebuildy thing. I think I I talked about it. Oh, actually, time. yes, you did loosely. Yeah, I just I forgot. Yeah. Um, um, so I did that. I have played a couple games of Smite. I yeah, that's that's it. Oh boy. Yeah. Look at you. Uh, we um, we are looking at uh, maybe firing up our Arma three server again. So that's wow. that's a thing that might happen. So uh, watch your yeah. campus. Yeah, yeah. Although I might be flying <laughs> in Arma, so that that might be a little bit different. Flight simulators, I think, might be a bit different. Yes, I agree. I, I would think so. I would hope, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Hope hope your uh, your pilot has a well. I I don't know. has I, a hippocampus. I also, yeah. You might be surprised. Sometimes physiological differences in the brain uh, can have like some surprising effects on actual physical performance or no effects Um, because brains are weird yeah yeah (laughs) it is uh, and i mean uh, neurology as a science is ever-changing the stuff that you learn about neurology this year can already be outdated next year and wrong 
And it's just because the brain is so complicated and uh, so much gets learned about it. Um, but also, uh, the science isn't perfect, right? Yeah. Like, I, I wish that it was, but you just, if you can't replicate what you've done before, there's really no evidence that it's significant. So, um, yeah. like, I'm not discrediting neurology by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that it is a science that is young and it is still maturing, and there is so much still left to learn and understand. Oh, yeah. Um, at least while I was going through uh, psychology a couple of years ago, that's how it was. Well, that's like um, the primary example that I that I took away was um, we build artificial neural networks when you're learning uh, machine learning at a university. You build an artificial neural network. Nobody knows how or why it works, <laughs> but we can make that's, one and it works. Oh. Wow, that's interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's, actually, it's just there's, fascinating. Oh, that makes me want to... Um, do you remember your... Fr- uh, were you friends with Thomas? Uh, Thomas. God, I'm sure um, I... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me and Tommy go way back. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm going to reach out to him after this uh, this podcast because there's a, there's a guy at Brock who he went through for comp sci and then he went through for psychology and now he's actually trying to create uh, neural networks... Um, that replicate sort of like uh, the human concept. Um, interesting stuff. I, I, sure. I'd like to reach out to him, see if he's still around and what he's up to. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Stu. Uh, I'll find his full name for you some other time. Um, anyways. Uh, okay. So that's what you've been playing. Yep. Do you want to hear about what I've been playing? Sure. I've been playing a little bit of PUBG, which is Player Unknown Battlegrounds. Uh, basically, yeah. our friends Jamie and Charlie. Uh, I just kept seeing them play it, and I was just like, okay. So then I watched. Uh, Jamie, of course, did a stream of it where him and Charlie and uh, Charlie's wife Helen just failed so bad yeah. <laughs> at the game. Nice, just nice. so so bad, and it was because Charlie charged it like a boss. Um, <laughs> just like they were doing so good to start and then things just went so bad mm-hmm. um but uh for anybody who doesn't know uh player unknown battlegrounds is you are a group well you can be in a group but you are one of i believe it's 100 people who get placed on an island and the intent is that you fight to the death until there's only one survivor or uh, if you get dropped in pairs or a group your group is the final group um, and there are mechanisms that exist within the game that force you to get closer and closer to each other. There are weapons and all kinds of equipment scattered all over all over the uh, the battlefield. Um, and it's got houses, it's got farmhouses, it's got bunkers, it's got shooting ranges, it's got uh, buildings, so like uh, multi-floor buildings. Um, very, very brutal, like nitty gritty kind of third person shooter slash stabber slash puncher depending on what you can find before you run into somebody else um i started playing it i've played three games total the first game was all by myself i uh decided to jump because you you get dropped off from an airplane i decided to jump far away from everybody else i just hung out in some farmhouses and picked up some gear 
and it was the most successful round I ever had because I encountered a guy who was riding a bike and I sniped him off of it, um, which is the most chicken shit way to engage anyone ever. Um, and it worked, and I got a bunch of points, and then I promptly got destroyed by somebody else I couldn't see, so my own medicine served right to me. Um, and then uh, played a game with Charlie where he's just like, oh, I've got this really great idea, we're just going to... We're just going to go to this place where I know there's all these really, really awesome, uh, this awesome gear and nobody ever goes there. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's do that. It sounds really good. You sound like you know what you're talking about. And then we go and we drop there. And there's this mechanic in the game called Blue Wall where energy starts to get produced. And basically it's a shield that forces you further and further into a circle so that you can't just hide. You have to engage other people because the battleground is literally shrinking. And if you stay inside that energy field, you get injured and you die. Um, Charlie put us on the very boundary of that and then proceeded to get the car we were going to use to escape it stuck. Uh So we had to run for a really long time. (laughs) Through like imagine, uh, imagine that scene in like the original Ghostbusters where the guy is getting tested to see if he's psychic, and every now and again he gets a shock. It's just like imagine experiencing that <laughs> nonstop. Yeah. yeah, God, Charlie did that to us twice, um, and then <laughs> and then Hi I was boy, just like, Charlie. I'm going to bed. Yeah, I'm going to bed. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I played another game on my own, um, and it was really great. I did what I did the first time. I got a bunch of gear. I felt really good. I was ready to fight. I went to go and shoot a guy. Like, I got the jump on him and everything. I was so ready. I had this Uzi. It was all kitted out. I was just gonna, I just pointed at his chest and I was gonna just spray him. Um, and, uh, I had set it to semi, so I shot a single bullet into him. And he got a little upset, and I was so shocked. I was just holding down the button, expecting it to continue to auto fire. He turned around, had a shotgun, I exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just yeah. That's uh, that's the game. That's the game. Uh, do I like it? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of potential there. Um, I think it's fun. I just I don't know. I haven't played enough of it. Right. Um, the next game that I played. Unless you want to talk about it, do you? Because I know some of your friends are playing it. I don't yeah, know if you've even if you tried are, it. Yeah, I'm not interested in it at all. I am interested in like frying pan jousting, but that's about the only good thing I've seen come out of that game. That sounds amazing. I don't know. I hope that's just people with frying pans on motorcycles trying to kill each other. It's. It sounds like heaven, doesn't it? Yeah, that sounds actually pretty funny. I also didn't know you could use a frying pan as a melee weapon. That's awesome, because all I was finding was machetes and knives. Um, I'll keep that in mind. Oh, Keeping that no. in mind next time. Um, okay, so the next game that I've played is Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite oh. is early release. Uh, so it's from Epic in the Unreal Engine. And uh, this is a weird game. Uh, very weird. Um, both uh, player... Player Unknown Battlegrounds or PUBG, whatever, uh, and uh, Fortnite are uh, in the loot crate zone, which means uh, a bunch of collectibles. Uh, uh, PUBG, it's all about 
uh, collectible gear, so getting nicer equipment, so aesthetics. I'm not sure that Fortnite is in that same round. I think there's actually, like, better stuff. I have not played this game enough to really tell you uh, whether it's good or not. Um, I think it is. There's a lot of potential. It's basically like if you were to take Minecraft and a tower defense and maybe a few other games and smush them all together. Uh, there's a lot going on under the hood. Uh, I've experienced like a tenth of it just because I was limited in the amount of time I was able to spend. And hopefully I can talk more about it in the next episode. Um, I'm excited about it. Uh, what I did play, uh, basically I was building walls and setting up traps as hordes of zombie zombies were coming at me. And I set up enough traps and in enough way that when the uber bad guy zombie came, so basically like the Left 4 Dead style tank showed up, he died on almost all of my traps that I didn't realize I'd set up perfectly. <laughs> and uh, then like all the damage that I took was just because I jumped onto the traps and I could have just sat back and shot everything. Like I, I was just being reckless. Um, and that made me feel good. But like, uh, I guess there's a big base building component in it. Um, almost everything is destructible and you can use to gather materials with it and then produce stuff. Uh, what you can produce is limited by the schematics that you have in game and that's where the loot crates come in because the more loot crates you open up the more schematics you get um, but yeah you can you can start building in the middle of a firefight if you want to I don't recommend it but you can um, it's uh, it's different um, have you looked at Fortnite at all I have not Okay, um, third person, third person shooter slash builder slash I don't know what else. I hear there's like squad control components, like you you can actually build squads that support you and like defend the stuff that you build. Hmm. Um, I just haven't got there yet, so maybe next podcast we can talk a little bit more about it when I know what's going on. But I feel like it's a good game. I'm just not sure. That is fair. And I'm I'm liking it more than PUBG. But I'm not going to tell Jamie and Charlie. They're going to have to find out by listening to this podcast later. In like two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, because for anybody who's listening who's not 100% sure, um, like right now we've released up to episode three to the public, but we're recording episode seven, oh, yeah. you'll notice. Um, yeah. they, I mean, you you will have already heard we're recording this on August 16th. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, we want a little bit of a backlog in case Stu or I get super busy and we still want to be able to put an episode out. Um, I kind of jumped the gun and dropped the, uh, the test episode a little early. Um, just cause I was really excited and people were asking me about it, but, uh, yeah. So that's what I've been playing. Uh, did you have any thoughts on anything that I said? Um, no, no, because I, I, yeah, I haven't really looked at Fortnite, and PUBG is PUBG. Yeah, PUBG is PUBG. Um, I, I'm. Uh, th- this got brought up in uh, in the gaming history X as well with Beardy and and Fred, and it is the the loot crate culture that's coming out of gaming right now. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like, uh, it's very, very prevalent in uh, mobile games. Uh, like, it's it's basically the, the Magic the Gathering format, right? Like, maybe you include one or two, well, 
specifically in magic you include one rare but it could also be like an ultra rare or whatever mm-hmm. or an uncommon or whatever format but basically you set up items so that there are the most common less common um and then you get into the upper tiers of rare super rare ultra rare whatever um but these are rewards that are doled out for however much you play or you can get a bunch of them right away for paying money um uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds definitely does that. Uh, you right now you can buy chess if you want to. Um, and Fortnite is right now you can pay to start playing it, and then you've got a bunch of stuff that you will get with it as soon as you get through the tutorial. But there's an understanding that this game is going to shift over into free to play once it's out of early access, because right now it is in early access. Um, I paid to get in, uh, so th- there's a bunch of stuff that I'm going to get as a perk right now, um, and that's that's interesting, but I don't know. How do you feel about like the loot crate culture, like the Magic the Gathering blister sort of way of doing video games? It really bugs me. Uh, it's, it's something that has actually been... Uh, it was introduced kind of slowly into Smite and has kind of taken over. used to be... You know, when they released a skin, if you really liked that skin, you could buy that skin. Yeah, and uh, same thing with most uh, MOBAs. Yeah, and now they will make make a new skin, and they will put it in a crate, and that crate will have 20 other things that you oh, don't want. Brutal. And yep. so you, instead of, you know, spending $5 on a skin, you spend $5 on a 1 in 20 chance of getting a skin. And the, the super shicey part to me is that when you go and break down like any time the percentage chance of the items is not listed on those crates go and look at people that have run the numbers on the games in almost every case the one good thing in that out of 20 in that crate has the smallest chance of of coming out of it it's really really sinister of yeah I, and I, it's I, it's a money-making scheme yeah, and it's and anybody who's not wise to it like i feel bad for them but uh we are almost hardwired uh, unless you're particularly resilient or wise you're you're almost hardwired to want to participate in that culture um, because you want that thing you're I mean you're playing a game you're enjoying it you're seeing something you want and you uh, you indulge in the gamble and yep. when the game is rigged you you're gonna lose every time um, but it feels so good when you get the thing. You won the gamble. Yes. It's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. really bugs me. Um, and that is something that as gamers, I think as a community and a whole, we're going to have to learn is that these companies that are creating these games, like there's the team that creates the games and then there's the team that creates these mechanics that require you to pay money and get the, the, the people who design the game to basically incorporate it. Um, like, hats off to the people who are making great games out there, but the marketing teams are being horrible. Um, it, like, this is just... It's it's a repugnant practice that... Re- like, I understand. Like, you want to make money? That's great. Like, charge, charge a cost for the game, charge a cost for the update or, like, the, the patch, like, wh- whatever. Like, charge for DLC. Um, this type of 
this type of attempt to make money really exploits the psychology of an individual um, in a negative way, in a way that is almost guaranteed to make you money, but like at at the expense of of somebody's weakness, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's bad. Stu, did you, yeah, I wasn't sure if you want to mute. <laughs> I was worried. Um, and, like, I think us as a community, we need to learn that this is happening and maybe just sort of fortify yourself against it, right? Like, I mean, if you've got the spare change, whatever, man. Like, go ahead, roll the dice. Um, I've done it multiple times. Like, And that's the worst part is, like, I'm trying to tell you to learn and grow, when uh, like with mobile games yeah i throw a little bit of money at it i i do it almost every single time that i get into a new mobile game i'll throw a little bit of money at it see what the results are um and it's uh, i would say it is almost 100 percent disappointing every single time (laughs) and it it is like uh, it's just sad um i mean at the end of the day i i expect that fortnite will be a great game um you enjoy smite a lot but like, think about how that game has changed and why those practices exist. You know exactly why. It's because they want to oh, make yeah. more money. Yeah, and and it's something that, um, it's something that I've I've tried to. I mean, as a consumer, you make a conscious effort and say, no, I'm I'm not. I'm just not. I really want that skin, but you've buried it behind this ridiculous paywall that I can't control. I'm not willing to, to give you money for that. It's just not. Yeah. Ugh. gross yeah so be a smart gamer be a conscious consumer and uh maybe don't be a nazi oh (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) That's what we learned that's probably the best the best possible option yeah all right well i think we're starting to get talked out so i'm gonna uh start bringing this episode to a close but uh before we end the show today I wanted to touch base with you, Stu, uh, just regarding how you feel about how things are going for us. Um, what do you find you've enjoyed most and what have you learned so far uh, with this whole process of us making this podcast? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it's the process itself. Well, uh, mechanically, technically, it's all stuff that I'm kind of familiar with. Uh, it is a little bit different than than streaming. I, I'm. I did eventually get to a point where I can fill a lot of silence with meaningless schluck, if I really need to. <laughs> Good you for know, you. But it's it's something that I I try to avoid doing anyway. But uh, yeah. But no, it's yeah. It's it's good to have the the conversation. It's weird, um, because I'm used to having these kinds of conversations with you in person. Which hasn't actually hasn't, happened for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of life. Yeah. So I, I think there's some, there are, there are little bits of jankiness of, of uh, banter between us where, like, you know, normally one of us would be throwing shit or shaking a fist or, uh, you know, coming over with duct tape <laughs> to sh- and get the other one to <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, and, we, yeah. and we don't have that here. So that's... Uh, that that's taking a bit to get used to, I guess. Um, oh, okay. But it's, well, uh, I'm sorry I'm that sometimes you it. feel like you want to tell me to shut the fuck up. 
I'm sorry that I've robbed you of that opportunity oh, yeah. to tell me to shut the yeah. You can you can still do it. Like it's, like it's our this is our like temple of narcissism. You can do whatever you we're want. We're gonna we're gonna hook up one like a telegraph thing that's gonna shock you. Like oh. we're gonna get oh, like yeah. long distance remote shocker um uh, hand shaky paddle things. And I, s- I promise I like I'll it. wear mine, <laughs> but you definitely have to wear yours. Oh, so yeah, I can zap no. you. Uh, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's yep, that's uh, <laughs> that's my my current opinion <laughs> on the state of things. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean for me this is my first podcast. Um, I'm I'm thinking it's yours as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've since like awesomely been invited to participate in in others. Uh, it was really nice to be able to participate with uh, Gaming History X uh, at, back at GamingHistory101.com. Um, and I've had other people, uh, sort of reach out to me and show interest and, uh, it's just, uh, I mean, it's new. We're not perfect. Um, nope. I only recently realized that I was talking into my microphone backwards, which was super embarrassing even after I'd already figured out that I wasn't using my microphone right. So that was, uh, that was super brutal. Um, and like for me, uh, I do almost everything on the, the, the website. So I'm learning how to do that properly. Um, like being able to coordinate artists to make sure that we have the visuals, being able to coordinate uh, the, the, the music, making sure that you and I have schedules that mesh. Um, just a lot of a lot of overhead. adulty, yeah, a lot of adulty scheduling stuff. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I feel like it's worth it. I like what we're producing. I'm happy with what we're producing. And I'm excited to see how the audience starts to engage with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, like, uh, anybody who has taken the time to listen to it, I haven't had any negative responses yet. I haven't had any negative criticisms. But the problem is... Um, it's a soft audience so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the... The hardest criticisms we got were from Fred, and it was constructive criticism, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, from Gaming History X or Gaming History One Hundred and One. Um, and I still think I, I was having a conversation with somebody else. I think about it recently that I, th- I think from episode zero to six, I think there's a marked improvement, and I think we'll see the same kind of thing from six to twelve. And I, I'm, I don't know. Like to me, it's it's still gonna feel like an experiment for for quite some time until we really solidify things and and. Yeah, we'll get to a point where um, not just what we're doing is going to feel good, but how we're doing it is going to feel good as well. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I look forward to, I guess. Uh, oh, I look forward to uh, what we're doing and how we're doing feeling good. Um, yeah. I mean, talking into the always. right end of the microphone is a pretty big fucking step. So that's, yeah, that's good. no, it's uh, that's the big that's the big one. Um, you know what's worse is I actually did the gaming history X with the microphone backwards, um, and I could tell, I could hear <laughs> no. how bad it, how bad I was compared to everybody else. I just I think it's hilarious. Um, I'm so happy that I figured that out. Yeah. Um, but okay, yeah, no, like we we were learning. Yeah. We're learning. We're oh, growing. Yeah. Yeah. Things. I feel like things it's are getting be better. Um, yeah. And so thank you everybody else for just sitting through that little bit of. Uh, uh, self evaluation. Yeah. yeah, it's a little report card, if you will. How are we doing? Um, 
So if you want to know more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, uh, we've got all kinds of social media. Like I said before, we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, we're on iTunes. Uh, feel free to drop in there. Uh, you can rate us whatever you want. You can comment about us however you want. Uh, just hopefully whatever you say doesn't get us taken off because it's awesome to be on iTunes. Um so go ahead, check out our Facebook, check out our Twitter, check out our website at learnfromgaming.com. Um, and yeah, uh, send us an email. Uh, let us know how we're doing, what you think of us, uh, or even just profanity, because we've read that already. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if uh, is there anything else you wanted to add, Stu, or are we going to bring this baby to a close? Uh, nothing else comes to mind. All right. Well then, uh, yeah. Thank you again for, uh, spending this time with me and building out this podcast and thank you the audience for taking the time to listen. So, uh, tune in again and we'll just keep talking about video games. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Yeah.